Welcome to Breakfast for Dinner with Sarah the Human. I'm Sarah the Human, and this is the sustainable living episode. First of all, I just want to say thank you guys so much for all of your feedback from season two. I've been getting lots of texts and messages um, after each of the episodes have been released saying that they either made you laugh or cry or both. And I really appreciate that. Um, If you do want to take a second to rate the podcast on wherever you're listening, whether it's Apple or Spotify, that would be awesome. This episode is with my dear friend, Chris Gillis. Chris and Kim, his wife, and Bo and I, we all went to Mexico together. They are some really close friends of ours. We travel well together, which is kind of hard to find sometimes, even with friends. It's like you can be really close friends with them, but might not have the same like vacation styles. And our style like really matches up because we like a good mix of adventure and doing stuff and then also chilling and relaxing. So warning, this is another episode that will definitely make you laugh um, and probably make you cry. I just finished editing it and I was crying a lot. Um, It's so emotional in the most beautiful way. And so, you know, if you're listening at work or something, just be prepared. You might shed a tear or two because um, it is just gut-wrenching and heartwarming all the things hearing about Chris's journey being a foster parent. He and I discuss a wide range of topics. So we start with how he decided to be vegan and then fostering and we ended on AI somehow. So we take a little bit of a journey and I hope you enjoy. You guys are going to love Chris. He is super smart and very thoughtful of how he approaches every decision in life, which is pretty cool. Now, without any further ado, Chris Gillis. Yeah, so Kim and I had like been experimenting with a few different like dietary things. So we even did like a month of like all um, locally made food, like locally grown food only. Nice. I would in like our to do area, that. you know. So we were just like experimenting with stuff. Was that hard to find? So hard, because where we lived in Australia, there was lots of like fruit. But there was no grains being grown locally. No, there were no rice paddies or wheat. Do you know what I mean? It was potatoes for starch and like, you know, fruits. And we weren't vegan at that point. So it was meats and eggs and things. But it was like, that was a, a tricky one. But it was so amazing to actually like be mindful of food. Immediately it cuts out all the packaged processed food. Because everything in them is grown everywhere, right? And then like the stuff you're buying, you're really like aware of what it is that you're eating. I think that's one of the coolest things about any diet is you start to become more aware of what you eat. Even like with veganism, it's like one of the main things is you start to read the ingredients on the packages and start to like actually start to think about what's in things, you know? For sure. Um, yeah, we were uh, driving from here to San Francisco. Have you ever done that drive? Mm-hmm. There, I don't know if you've noticed it, but on the way there... On the five, yes, that cow farm. Yes, oh my God. Farm. I was absolutely appalled. And I think about that a lot, yes. actually. Like almost every time I go... To I drove through at night and I was like, what is that smell? It is horrendous. It's horrendous. So for the listeners, what it is, is basically <laughs> a strip of miles of just dirt yeah. of just like 
mud, basically. Yeah. Mud. Yeah. And there's hundreds and hundreds of yeah. cows all packed in. Yeah. In the mud. And yeah, so, like as far as the eye can see, shoulder to shoulder cows, just the stench hits you. Even with the windows up, you, yeah. <laughs> that stench is inescapable. I don't know what the stench is about. Like, yeah. is it feces? Is it dead cows? Like, I yeah. have no idea. And there's no grass. No. And that's what's just so mud. alarming. Yeah. It's like, what are these cows eating? And then I'm eating the cow. Like, I just, totally. or the milk or yeah, the dairy products. Yeah, all like, of it. It's just really a problem yeah it's and, yeah, yeah there is a farm that we passed too mm-hmm. on that same drive that i noticed i mean i'm assuming it's a farm mm. but i just noticed like huge grassy areas and there were like three cows i'm like okay that's more like it totally that's, like, what it's meant to be i feel like yeah it's true we were driving through france uh recently and saw all these you know just idyllic pastures with a few cows grazing but I think that that's the thing is like you can look at that and and think about those, but that's where it's like everything in any packaged foods, even people who like, I feel like they're like, oh, I get like my eggs like free range or whatever. But it's like if you're eating packaged foods with any kind of animal products in, it's coming from that farm. Do you oh. know what I mean? Like it's coming yeah. from the worst possible conditions imaginable. Is it like, what is the difference though? Is there a difference between free range and cage-free eggs do you know any difference or it's just all messed up i i mean i think it's all pretty messed up the, yeah. a lot of the labels are to help people feel kind of better about it but the problem is there's you know eight billion people on the planet and we have to manufacture a lot of food for that those people so anything that is actually sustainable isn't going to feed everyone Bo went on a kick too, where he was like, all right, I'm only going to eat like locally sourced chicken and meats. Right. And there were two places in LA that had it Mm. and Air One and Whole Foods were not one of them. Right. It was this totally random store. uh, It's a deli that sold it randomly. And it was $18 uh-huh. for like two chicken breasts. Yeah. And we were like, ooh. Totally. <laughs> you know, so it didn't last very long. But And then this farmer's market that we go to. I mean, obviously yeah. a farmer's market is different. But yeah. Um, but yeah, this like one store and it was $18. And that's totally. just what it takes and what it costs yeah. to get like actually good sourced meat. It's just a mess. It is. It really is. I think especially in this country, it's so noticeable, even for non-animal products, for fresh produce, you know, since being here, it's just like things don't taste the same here. You know, I get really excited. Yeah. It's like anywhere else you go, you know, (laughs) definitely in Australia or like in Europe, like, it's just like here, things don't just don't have the flavor of we have food. high fructose corn syrup yeah and exactly and sugar one of my earliest memories of kim she was just talking to me about how she realized that there's sugar usually in yeah. all the bread here yeah and she couldn't believe it you know totally and i had never i don't think i'd ever really thought about that yeah and then it got me to look at the ingredients mm-hmm. on the bread i was buying 
And this bread I used to get all the time, Dave's Killer Bread. Have you yeah. eaten that bread? Yeah. It's sugar, so yeah. So much sugar yeah. in it. And I used to get that all the time. Totally. No shade to Dave's Killer Bread, but like, right. there's like five grams of sugar in every slice. And I was yeah. like, what the heck? Yeah. So it's so weird. Is it, it's just America that has I that? I think so. Like we were so surprised because in, in Australia, one of the really common things to put on bread is Vegemite which is a salty spread and you know normally that tastes great here it's like it tastes sweet because the bread's sweet so that that's what first like shocked us like any regular bread is sweet except for sourdough so we just buy sourdough because it's the in america it feels like that's code for the the bread without sugar you know what i mean (laughs) right whereas in australia like pretty much everything except like a brioche is not going to have sugar in it yeah it's just it's different, you know? It's been an adjustment, I'll say that. For sure. So you're vegan, and um, since you lived in L.A., how Yeah, long, so how like five years, years now. Five years, okay. Yeah. And this kind of leads into my next question Ooh. for you. But uh, you have an interesting take on bringing children into the world. I do. And it's related to you being vegan. Yes, it is. So I'd love for you to share that. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess like... I would describe myself as um, a person who cares about ethics and one of the big things for me you know that has always just been a shocking thing for me has been the population of of the world I I, it's unpopular nowadays because there's a lot of people talking about how the population is declining and that's a problem which I strongly disagree with I think we have an overpopulation problem Um, when I was born there was five billion people in the world and now there's 8 billion people in the world and I haven't been alive for very long <laughs> and so that's a that's very concerning thing for me. You were born in what year? Uh, 1986. Okay so like from 40 years prior yeah what was the jump do you know I should look it up. <laughs> yeah basically like if I remember correctly maybe like a hundred years ago there was we, we hit like a billion. Okay and so the, if you look at like a population graph of the world over the last say thousand years it's basically flat and then there's a, a just vertical spike to the ceiling at the end that's scary it's really terrifying <laughs> what is the reason i think we got uh some really good me- medicine going on mm. like it's all been amazing things for humans yeah, right people like are living got, longer. yeah exactly and uh, we've had, we've also seen a, a decrease in uh, the amount of casualties in warfare since mm. World War II. But even with that, I think there's, it's just this like accelerating factor of, you know, because each, if each person has more than one kid, there's like this accelerator in place. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's just something that I think ha- a lot of people see the problems in the world, but don't necessarily connect the dots that it's due to. There's just a lot of people in the world. Do you know what I mean? So a lot of people are talking about uh, refugee crises and um, wars that are created through you know resource shortage that destabilize economies and all this kind of stuff without necessarily connecting the dots that, oh, it's because we just have a lot of people. And with this many people, we're having such an effect on our whole ecology of the planet. 
um, all of our farming practices become unsustainable because we're trying to just feed as many people as possible. And so I really just thought, you know, I want to try to find a way to live more sustainably. I think if we're going to have this many people and not have um, some pandemic come through and wipe out half of them, you know, if we want to like avoid tragedy, yeah, we'd rather not have that. Let's, yeah, I'd rather have fewer people, you know, than like just a bunch of people get wiped out through, you know, terrible things. And so I started to look into like, how can I live more sustainably, you know? And so um, out of that, I, a few different, like, uh, I made a few different ethical choices for my life. One of those was veganism. Um, another is like, I, I try to thrift my clothes as much as possible, all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm one of those hippies, you know? <laughs> I uh, love it. Yeah. Isn't being vegan like the number one best thing you can do for the environment? It's actually the number two. Number two. Okay. So what out of all the personal choices that... <laughs> you can make, <laughs> okay. uh, to cut out uh, meat and dairy out of your diet is the number one personal choice that a consumer can make to, to benefit the planet in the long run. Um, by far and then the number one is to not have a kid and so um, Kim and I decided uh, early in our marriage hey let's not make humans and um, so yeah that it's a it's a hard thing to talk about because I have so many friends who choose to have children or are pregnant and I celebrate with them all completely I have nothing against someone having a child but for me, my ethical stance is to not make a human. I think we've got enough. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, it's kind of like somebody not drinking and being sober, but yeah. being like, no, 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 it's okay. It's You can drink. Like, I don't... Right. I'm not judging you for drinking. Right. It's just I personally am not going to for whatever reason. Yeah, you know? so exactly. It's, it's similar to that in a totally. way where you can hold that belief for yourself, but then also not look down on anybody else yeah. who chooses to do that. Yeah. So I think that's the, it's such a tricky place to be in for all ethical stances, right? Yeah. Being um, vegan too. Being vegan, like everything, right? Everything we choose, it's e- it's so easy to want to force everyone else to, to be like us, to act like us, right? Because we truly believe that what I'm doing is making the world better. So I want everyone else to also make the world better. Right. Right. But like that's that's setting yourself up for a a bad life. You know what I mean? Totally. Because the world is diverse. It is. And we all have different definitions of what makes the world better. Yeah, totally. That's right. We all have different priorities and like personal missions that we might want to focus on. And it's going to be impossible to like focus on everything. Yeah. You know, it's like totally it's kind of nice to just be like okay you know what out of all the issues I'm going to dedicate my life to sustainability I think this is so such a worthy Mm, cause I'm going to do this yeah someone else might think okay I'm going to dedicate my life to politics and like changing the policies and it's it's great both of them are great yeah but like there's not a lot of room to do everything (laughs) 100% even within a scope right like even within sustainability like I've I've tried to do the like reduced waste thing it's so hard and you mean like for... to try to not have plastic oh, packaging yeah. on, and, like, on stuff and, and stuff. everything 
Yeah. Honestly, I gave up on that one. I'm like, look, I'm just going to buy stuff. Totally. <laughs> and like, when we were in Mexico, yeah. we can't drink the water there. And yeah. it's like you kind of have to buy plastic water bottles right. if you want water. I mm -hmm. mean, they did have a faucet for us, which was great. But yeah. it, on those times, it makes it super hard to not just get like totally. plastic water bottles. And you know? You, you buy a like loaf of bread it. wrapped in plastic, and <laughs> right. you know this plastic's not going to break down for thousands of years. But there is this is point. just how a society works. Like, yes, I have to either live in the society or remove myself from the society. You know, totally. And like, there's a point where it has to happen. At speaking of politics, it has yeah. to happen at like a legislative level where they just ban the plastics because yeah. otherwise like you really can't function well that's really interesting to me because i think like um even with legislation like i think there would be so many laws we could pass to make this country better or make the world better but laws don't get passed until people like there's a movement of mm. like cultural awareness that creates a demand for legislation do you know what i mean yeah and so the real the real like interesting battle is how do you shift cultural perception of things? Our, in Australia, um, over the course of my lifetime, there was a huge push to get rid of uh, smoking, obviously being a huge killer and everything else. And I, I saw that work really, really effectively to the point where smoking is not a popular or like a cultural thing in Australia anymore. Um, and that wasn't through banning it. Do you know what I mean? Mm, mm -hmm. um, I mean, there was legislation around like the packaging you show on it or something, but it was just a lot of like awareness shift. And so I th I'm so curious about how that can be used for good. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, you're already seeing it with compostable yeah. um, utensils uh -huh. and totally. paper towels and toilet paper. Like that used to not totally. be in stores. Yeah. So... There's definitely some communication between the consumer and the yeah. businesses that this is what we want. Like we want more sustainable products. Yes. But it hasn't gotten to the level of like right. not plastic wrap bread, <laughs> you know? Right, right. So yeah, I think hopefully we can continue It'll to... It'll happen. Yeah. It, there really could be a day where when I'm you sure. walk on the, the aisles of like paper products, you know, they're yeah. all like from recycled materials. Totally. Because even these bigger companies like Clorox or... Yeah. Yeah. whatever are realizing okay we gotta up yeah. our game and we gotta change the way we do things 100%. because this is what's selling like people are willing to pay more yeah to be more sustainable yeah so i think it is happening it's definitely happening even veganism is like booming the numbers are you know on the rise i i think everything will shift one of the pieces of legislation i'd love to see in my lifetime would be some kind of like sustainability tax on goods yeah so like um like like food products that are very unsustainable actually get taxed to make them more expensive to like account for the cost to the planet of that piece of food do you know what i mean yeah that'll put it in perspective yeah like, Ooh, i don't know about buying this right and if those taxes were put back into reforestation and other sustainability practices, it would be like a, a loop. Do you know what I mean? Where if you want that thing, great. It's just more expensive. The Actually, the sustainable one is cheaper. Right. I would love that. And then also, because it's flipped right now. Like, right. You have exactly. to pay more to exactly. be more sustainable, which reminds me of 
produce versus frozen foods. Like the yeah, produce is more expensive right. than like the shitty mac and cheese that's on the shelves. Right. You know, and uh-huh. it's like I really would love for that to be totally switched as well because it's not affordable to eat yeah. healthy for some people. So true. And yeah, that's a side note, but not really. It's in it's, order to be vegan, you want to have like great produce. So it probably is in a way a privilege. To it be is, able to eat well yeah. and eat vegan. Yeah, it's such an important part of all ethical conversations because I see it as the more you have, the more responsibility you have. Mm-hmm. So the more that you are in a position of being able to take an ethical stance, with that comes the responsibility to take an ethical stance. And if you're not in that position, then you don't hold that responsibility. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think it's something where people that are capable of doing it and are wealthier and have the, the means and the resources should be leading the way so that people living in poverty can not have to do you know what yeah. I mean not have to bear the brunt of us fixing the world of you know? course yeah for sure yeah. so okay so we were getting at you have personally made the decision to not bring another human into the world that's right yeah so you and Kim have had a whole experience with Mm -hmm. the foster care system yes you guys decided to to do that in LA yeah Um, tell me about that like what was it like getting approved Mm. to be foster parents yeah start at the beginning yeah so even though like we really didn't want to make new humans we we both really wanted to be parents and I've always wanted to be a parent um I'm someone who's kind of come from kind of a rough childhood and found a way into a healthy life, which to me, the most meaningful thing I could ever do would be to allow someone else to also break that cycle Mm -hmm. of stepping from maybe a rough situation and maybe like um, some parents that are in a bad spot and actually being able to change the course of generations you know, to, to be able to succeed and, and do great things. And so we, we definitely wanted to be parents. And so, yeah, we started to, to look around at options um, for adoption and like, like what are the different ways that we can do that? If people aren't familiar, the foster care system is generally children who have been removed from their families for whatever reason or been given up or surrendered. And so often, you know, especially in LA, there's tens of thousands of children in foster care. I forget the exact number, but it's significantly large. And um, so, yeah, so we decided to get into that. And there's a way that, so basically with foster care, the first goal is to try to reunite that child with their biological family if possible, if that can be a safe option and a, uh, an option that's best for that child. Otherwise, that child can become like, um, you know, in a place where they need to be adopted. And so we thought, well, let's do that and, and see if, you know, on the other side, if, if it doesn't work out with their biological parents, we would adopt them and, and, and they could grow up with us, you know. Um, and so, yeah, so we applied um, just through a, uh, a agency. We talked to a few agencies and we found one that kind of suited us, we felt like. And... Um, uh, the process, I want to say, took like, oh goodness, how long would, uh, would it have been before we got a placement? Probably like uh, close to a year before oh, we got really? a placement. Maybe maybe a little less, maybe like uh, nine months or something. 
Um, and they're just checking you guys out, like making there's sure. There's a long journey, yeah. So a lot of paperwork to do. Um, a lot of you have to do. You have to go to the doctor and make sure you don't have, you know, tuberculosis. And you've got to do um, your CPR training and get um, police approval. Because we're international as well, we have to get approvals from, uh, from other countries, you know, oh. and have all the paperwork um, in place. And then there's a, a huge amount of, uh, training that you have to do. So there's like these online training modules with videos that were like filmed in the nineties and are horribly <laughs> On like boring. how to be a parent? On like, um, like attachment theory and oh. like all kinds of, it's quite interesting stuff. I would love to see the process streamlined somewhat and actually a really good education system in process in place. But you know, you learn about um, dog bites and um, oh. pools, and you know, just just a wide variety of of things that cover all the bases. If you know what I mean, safety, um, safety, protocols. you know, how to um, talk to your child if they are LGBTQ. You know, oh, like wow. just like a huge, just like everything you can imagine, yeah. right? So you do hours and hours of training. It's it's fascinating to me because I think it would be so cool to actually make that a real a good training system for everyone who's going to be a parent. Do you know what I mean? Like that's actually engaging and that's actually informative. It's kind of wild that anyone can just be a parent, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, it's a massive responsibility. Yeah. And really the way it's set up now, you don't have to, you don't have to do anything. I mean, it's pretty bizarre. Yeah. So there was a lot of paperwork, a lot of things that we just felt were, you know, extreme and then you have to actually um, go right through your own history. So you have to, you fill out a questionnaire all about your own upbringing with your parents, um, traumatic situations, etc. You have an interview with a social worker. You go through all your traumas and they decide if you're worthy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Having a stranger dig and probe. And like some of the questions are, for instance, um, you know, circle all the words on this list that describe your mother or they describe your father. Do you know what I mean? Or like all these things. And you like going through, it's like, I think more than you would normally talk about in a sitting with a person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, especially so, a stranger. A, some, you know, so I'm on a Zoom call with a social worker crying and talking about life and and this person gets to decide whether i uh, whether i'm worthy of being a foster parent or not wow and so you know it's a it's a i would say it's a obviously labor is quite an intense and extreme journey this is a different intense and extreme yeah. journey in a different way do you know what i mean yeah um but it it takes some it takes some effort it's not an easy walk-in interesting wow and you mentioned it was nine months, the process, about nine months, which is another factor of it where mm. when someone gets pregnant, mm. the couple or, you know, single mom yeah. has that time period where yeah. you're anticipating, totally. you, you know, this is coming. Totally. For you guys, you know, it ended up being that amount of time until you were placed with yes. your first baby. Uh-huh. You were placed with him, but you didn't know when yeah. he was coming like totally. it could have been two years it could yes. have been i mean you had no idea yeah so it's like hard i'm sure yeah was it hard i guess i'm asking yeah. to like 
not necessarily know when this was actually going to happen. Totally. And that's been not just with the placement, but that's been the journey through our whole foster care experiences. So many unknowns, you know, Um, we didn't know when their placement was going to happen. And so one of the things about being pregnant is you have a community of people who celebrate you and you have a due date and everybody's kind of on the same page that we're moving towards this moment and then we're going to celebrate this baby being here. And when you don't, that's, there's so much, um, it, it's like, it's not real until it is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, not visible. You can't see it's like, not the visible. pregnant belly. Yeah. There's no like, there's no buildup. There's no like Kim connecting to other mothers with this kind of expectant, like mm. we're going to do this thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's just this, like we put in all this work and you're sitting around waiting for months with no necessarily guarantees or no perception of what's about to happen. Do you know what I mean? And so we did a few things to try to like help with that. We, we'd throw a baby shower, which was really cool. And our friends came and, and gave gifts. And you know we tried to do as much of that kind of thing as possible, just so that it wasn't just like, wait, where did this baby come from? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, hey, let's all, let's, pretend as or like try to get as close as possible to what what this normally looks like right but then literally as well it's like it's very hard to plan anything you know it's like hey should we do you guys want to go for a trip somewhere or something it's like i don't know no i guess because we don't know what's about to happen in a day from now a month from now a year from now do you know what i mean and so, yeah, so then finally, you know, we got a call and they said, hey, we've got this little, little boy here in the hospital. And they, by, when they kind of ask you if you're willing to take a kid on, they really don't know many details at all, usually. So you don't know why he's there, what this kid's situation is, whether they're healthy, whether there's a disability involved or, you know, whether it's likely that they're going to be reunited with their parents or it's likely that they're not going to be do you know what i mean like there's so many unknowns about the situation it's really just hey we've we've got this little boy and he needs a place to stay tonight are you guys ready are we gonna go for this and so um yeah we were like let's do this so we uh we drove out to the hospital we picked up a little boy who was uh, seven days old we brought him home with us and it was so, so beautiful. We were actually there when you got the phone call. You were, that's right. <laughs> yeah, because Bo and I had, we were nomads for a few months where we put our stuff in storage, moved out of our apartment, traveled for like three months. And yeah. then we came back. Mm-hmm. And before we moved back into our apartment, we stayed with y'all for two nights. Yeah. And when we were there, I think it was the second night. I uh-huh. think we were leaving anyway, yeah. but we were going to leave like later that night. And you called us and said, hey, I actually need to go right now <laughs> because we are bringing home our baby right now and you can't be here. Yeah, <laughs> And yeah. we had waffles. Yeah, <laughs> so that's like, right. So it's like, we can't have waffles in here. Totally. Too, so you guys got to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yes, okay, so you brought home uh, Sebastian, who was... Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful little sweet Such little baby, seven baby. days old. Yeah. Um, and I would say, just from my perspective, like y'all just instantly mm. formed like an extremely strong totally. connection. Totally. Um, where it was like he was yours. Yeah. You know? There was no 
from my perspective, yeah. you know, there was no walls of like, yeah. this is somebody else's kid totally. that I'm caring for. It's just mm-hmm. like, you guys loved him as yeah. if you were your own. Yeah. And it was so beautiful to yeah. see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then three months later, yeah. you know, he was... He was he, reunited with his birth parents. Um, yeah. And that was really hard, you know. Yeah. And yeah, it was, you know, leading up to our first placement, that's obviously one of the, the questions in your mind. It's like, um, you know, you hear a lot of lore around through pregnancy and, and through labor, like that's where the bond develops. So you wonder, like, am, is the, our relationship going to be as strong through another path? Mm-hmm. And it, I think it absolutely was. Like, yeah. it, without question, he was instantly our kid and we were his parents yeah and so then like experiencing um the the um it's it's essentially like you lose your kid yeah and it's really hard yeah and it's one of the the most intense grief experiences of of life um and i think it's like even though it's only three months it's like uh, and it's not the same as people who whose kids have have died, but there's a similar thing, right? You yeah. you lose your kid, yeah. And um, not only do you lose a kid, but it's like they they are still alive with someone else, yeah. Living a life, yeah, with someone who gets to see their future, you know. That you can't gets to grow be up a with them, of. yeah. And you know, people talk about you know trying to establish a connection and. We probably could, but I think that would be even harder. Totally. To be in and out of someone's life, you know. For um, sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you guys. So it's hard, yeah. but at the same time, you know, you celebrate for them because I yeah. do believe that it's amazing for a child to be reunited with their birth family where it's possible and be able to grow up with them. And I think that through this journey, like parents who have their child removed from them are often it's the the kick that they need the the like the reality the wake-up call they need I guess to to go and get their life in order and really become aware of the need to be a good parent you know not just a parent but a good parent right Mm -hmm. and so I I do celebrate that for him yeah yeah but at the same time it's you're angry of course I wanted to punch someone you know (laughs) like yeah he's trying to take my kid away but you also have to let them go. Which is probably the most like loving thing you can do as a parent is like hold so your kid true. with like, an open hand. So true. That's also mm. a sign of love. Yeah. You know, is letting go. Yeah. Doesn't make it easy. I think it makes yeah. it way harder mm-hmm. to just like let go and hold someone, a human, with yeah. an open hand. Ugh, oh my gosh. Well, mm. you guys definitely inspired me with how you grieved because Mm. I remember y'all just texted us and you were like hey this just happened with Sebastian and Mm. we're we booked our flights to Europe and we're just gonna go to Europe for a Mm. few weeks and just like be together and grieve and and be in a new place yeah and I just thought that that was so cool because y'all were like intentionally going somewhere to cry <laughs> you know yeah. we're like intentionally yeah. like we're gonna de- set aside time we're like taking off work mm. and we're just gonna 
cry. Yeah, it's so true. Honestly, the day that it happened, we did a handoff and we just drove drove to the beach, um, drove down to Malibu and had a cry and watched the sunset. And then literally <laughs> that night we booked flights and just got out of town. Um, and it was, you know, I think it was so good because when you're a parent, your home is all around the child. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it really felt too hard to um, to like be in that place yeah, after of that. Man, yeah. Like everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was so good. I think just getting away and really getting back to like, you know, the other thing is like being a parent is hot. It takes a lot of, you're sleep deprived. You're putting a lot of time in. It's, you know, especially being a working parent, you have zero free time. And so to get back to the, you know, we went to places that weren't an adventure. They were places we had been before. Um, so they kind of still felt familiar and felt like home, but it, it felt like, okay, we can just just be and relax and be exploring and doing our thing. Um, and by the time we got back, it was, uh, yeah, I think it was an amazing way to, to deal with it. Um, yeah. Not to say that it was like, oh, okay, check it off. Now the grief is out. You know, right, like, obviously right. it's not linear. People say that, but yeah. it's not. I mean, it's any moment it can hit you. It could be 15 years down the road. Yeah. It's just like you get a wave of emotion. I don't know. It's so not predictable. Yeah, it's so true, you know, with grief. <laughs> there's this funny thing that um, you know the photos app on your phone it shows you all the memories shows you all these moments from your past and so it's hard but it's really good you know to be every time you open the app you're reminded of beautiful moments mm-hmm. um, we had some friends from a while back who they had foster kids and they always said that for them the way that they looked at it because obviously a lot of people say like, oh, how that's so hard. Like, how can you do that? Mm. What if they're taken away from you? Mm. They would always say, we don't look at it as like, oh, well, they're eventually just going to be taken away. So what's the point? Right. They said, we look at it as we only have yes this amount of time to give them all the love we can. Totally. And I just think that that's what you guys did. Yeah. And like... That's why it hurts because like y'all didn't have a wall. Like y'all just poured your love. Yeah. What y'all did was y'all just loved without boundaries. Like you just like loved and it was transcendent. Ugh, I love you guys so much. Oh my gosh. Um, Okay, so then... So then we're masochists, so we decided to do it all again. <laughs> I was like, how do we even go into like the next story? Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, yeah. the first day on the beach, we decided we're going to do it again. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I think it's like to feel that much pain and decide to do it again is like you have to like connect to what what is this life for you know what i mean like you have to get existential because it's like why am i here what what are we bringing on this planet and um for me one of the the really important factors of my life regardless of all the baggage that comes with with faith and religion is that there's a 
God who supported me and pulled me through depression and saved my life and brought meaning into my life. And if I can't do that for someone else, then, you know, I think, I feel like I'm jumping around, but for people that have gone through depression, I think that there's this deeper, like, well, okay, so what is this year for? What is next year for? What is what is today for? Do you know what I mean? Like, if I'm still on the planet, what's the meaning behind it? And um, yeah, we just we just decided that we're going to do it again and we're going to love again and we're not going to hold anything back again, you know? And um, let's see what happens. So, and you did. We did. So we, we you know, we called the agency uh, we we took like i think a, a couple of weeks and we called the agency and said yeah let's go again and um we got a placement pretty quickly so we got another little boy uh his name's tommy and um we actually uh he came into our lives a month after sebastian left our lives and sebastian was three months old when he left and tommy was four months old when he came in so they're they're actually the same age their birthdays are really close together and so it just, you know, it was so cool to, to, you know, we had a little four month old and we just started, picked up the journey of, you know, the milestones and everything from where we had left off, basically. Yeah. Like, I know where we are. Yeah, right exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it was so cool. And do you yeah. feel like with Tommy, because of what happened with Sebastian, it was still fresh, you know, there was only a few weeks in between mm. that. At first, were you a little guarded or what was that experience like for you? Yeah, I think it's harder. I think we both went in like as intentionally as possible, trying to love as much as possible. But your emotions, be- you know, have a mind of their own sometimes. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like it could be subconscious even. Yeah, I think subconsciously, like with Tommy, what, what um, really happened was there's this... Uh, grief you carry Um, even when you have Tommy with you you're carrying a grief because you know that there's a day coming where he won't be with Uh, you and um, it's like uh, if it's unexpected you start grieving at the moment it happens but when you expect it you 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 carry the grief with you every day you know and his situation in particular it was more clear that probably one day he would be reunited yeah. with his mom pretty right. quickly we figured out that there's a day coming where it's quite likely he's going to go back with his birth family yeah um, and that was y'all had him for almost a year right yeah we had tommy for um i want to say 11 months um wow so it was really, um, yeah, it was really hot. Oh my God. I just, yeah. yeah. One of the, hot, the hottest things is like, like, how do you say goodbye to your baby? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even if you know yeah. today's the last day, like, how do you say goodbye? There's no way. Yeah. There's no like, oh, this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. You know? And this is such a a niche experience that y'all have had that I feel like that's also an element that probably is isolating at times. I would think mm. it's like, I don't know, this is so particular yeah. and specific mm-hmm. that totally. 
there's not mm. that many people so true. who know exactly how you feel. Like yeah. I can try to put myself in your shoes and like empathize as right. much as I can, but it's like I won't actually know unless I go through it. Yeah. That's so true. And one of the other difficult things was that we've been doing all this during pandemics. So before there were all these support groups and networks and people would meet and you'd connect with other families. And then that all went to like Zoom calls, which is not a vibe. Do you know what no, I mean? Like, no, we're done with Zoom. Yeah, like we're all finished with Zoom. <laughs> yeah. And so, that yeah, it did. Effect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it really did feel like we were the, you know, alone in a way with a lot of that stuff. You know, it's just such a, a strange lifestyle because you don't know what's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Like every court, even when you have the child, every court hearing, you don't know. Is that the date we're going to say goodbye? Or are we still going to have him after that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so like we had multiple court hearings that then had a, you know, several month extension and... Um, so you don't really know how to plan your life. You don't know, like, you can't take the kid out, like, away from the county area. So you can't travel with them, but you can't travel with that. Like, you can't, like, plan, okay, you know, at that point we can go on a trip or we can do something. Do you know what I mean? Like, Which is a big part of y'all's life. Yeah, like, we do. If we you travel were in a lot. the foster because care system you would probably take your kid with you we of you know? course yeah. you know we do all the experiences with them and there's just so many yeah it's just so interesting even with i mean i could talk all day about the ridiculousness of the rules but you know we had a little baby who can't even roll over yet but you know you have home inspections you have to lock up your knives in the kitchen you have to lock up your alcohol do you know what i mean like you you know we got um we like to hike so i don't we'd always strap uh sebastian or tommy i'd strap him on and we'd go hiking and one time he got a little scratch on his leg and they're like, okay, just make sure you stay away from the branches, you know, when you're hiking. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, what's going, you know, it's just not the way that you would choose to parent as a parent. For sure. Y'all are so chill in particular. Yeah. That it's like, you would not be so a helicopter parent with them. Totally. But they kind of make you do it in a way. Yeah, exactly. It's very rigid. And I, for me, that's a, I think that's a terrible way to parent. I think kids should have lots of experiences and hurt themselves every now and then and get bumps and scrapes and do all the things. And so there's this, it's, it's a difficult place to be because you're parenting in the, b- the best way you can, but you also have restrictions on how you're supposed to parent. And you also don't have a future to look forward to. Do you know what I mean? I think that's one of the, the most enjoyable things about being a parent is that you want to invest in this kid because you're looking forward to how that's going to pay off when they're three, when they're five, when they're eight, when they're 18, when they're 21. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Like it's a build to the future. And when you don't have that future with a child, it's like um, you're putting in the work, you're putting in the like the hours and the sleepless nights, but the future is invisible to you. Do you know what I mean? You kind of know that you're never going to see whatever the outcome is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's tough, but it is beautiful and rewarding, and I'm so glad that we did it. Which is a huge thing to say. You know, <laughs> like you're saying that on the other side, like having experienced yeah. grief 
in huge ways twice, still Mm -hmm. experiencing it, of course. Yeah. And then a very interesting experience that y'all got to to do was being a parent Mm. and then now you're Mm. in a space where you're just you two again. Yeah. And I think that's something that parents who don't go through the foster care system aren't able to experience that's so you know? true so like that's a very unique i don't know i don't want to say like plus or anything but you know it's yeah. a very unique experience it to is like unique go from being in total mom and dad mode yeah to, okay now we can just drop yeah. everything and go to europe yeah it's so true and again with all unique experiences there's pros and cons right one of the hard things is people you know you're in this state like people are like oh do y'all have kids Mm, oh my gosh like what do you say you're just kind of like no yeah that just it's like never assume like you just don't yeah know what someone's going through yeah right you never know you never know you know Uh, what does mother's day look like mm, you know there's so many like factors to that but at the same time there's this thing of like we've been able to go like we decided after Tommy, okay, let's take a breath for a minute. <laughs> yeah. right. We've gone through the hardest year of our lives and um, let's just take some time, you know? And so we, we took a longer trip. Again, we went back to Europe and we just kind of took a longer trip and we've um, really been just kind of um, growing as people, reconnecting as a couple rather than as parents, do you know what I mean? And um, and also just exploring, like, um, yeah, is there anything that, you know, I, I feel like it's been a, a season of growth for both of us in such a huge way. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm contemplating is a big, is a career change, you know? And so we're kind of in this place where we're like, why don't we destabilize our lives a little bit? Why don't we explore a bit, see what kind of opportunities are happening, develop as people a bit, you know, like it's almost like going back to your teenager, like early twenties vibes, you know, and then, and then let's stabilize again in a bit and kind of, and kind of decide, you know, if we want to, uh, get back into pursuing adoption and in through foster care or through another, another path. Um, so that's kind of where we're at at the moment. So it's it's interesting for sure. Yeah, I mean, you get to now's the time to take risks. Like it's a lot easier yeah. to take risk when you don't have totally. kids depending on you. Exactly. It's just you guys. Yeah, yeah. There is there is an anxiety with it. You know, I've I've been in tech for nearly twenty years, and so I know that I could just call an agent and get a job tomorrow. But I'm kind of in this place where I'm like, I want to. Think and take some time to figure out what other opportunities there are. So I'm actually, um, I, I've always loved film. And you know, because we've had a bunch of uh, art house film nights and we love to watch films and talk about them and their meanings. And I've always loved film. I would say it's my favorite art form. Uh, but I've never taken the plunge in actually engaging in filmmaking. And so recently I, I wrote a script or at least a draft of a script. It's a script. Yeah. Um, and so kind of, I was thinking of, I've always, I've been thinking for a while about like, what would a move out of tech look like? Like what would a whole career change look like? And it's kind of, um, 
terrifying when you have some money and some stability and a, like uh or, or not that i not that we have money but we have money coming in do you know what i mean like there's a, a safe path to having income coming in the door right um like you can do anything at this point that you yeah. want almost like you can start a company you can right. make this short film you can right you have a lot of options a lot of options but it's it's terrifying to like throw yourself into something that might not make money right right like the idea of like oh do you want to like be poor again for a while like do you want to go get a share house room somewhere while we like hustle <laughs> at being a complete newbie at a brand new industry do you know what i mean yeah is like scary um And so that's one of the things that during this season, I've kind of been, you know, pursuing a bunch of things and just trying to engage as much as possible with filmmakers. And if any uh, listeners need help on a a film shoot, I want to learn as much as possible about all the people doing all the things. Um, But it feels like I'm a, a newbie again. And I love that in the sense of like, I love to learn. So like being a newbie is exciting. But it's also this scary thing of like, okay, but money. Like I could yeah. I could get an easy, safe job and have money coming in. But if I want to throw myself at something new, that means there's no guarantee of money for uh, quite a while. One of the biggest things for me is I just feel like we only have one life and it feels like a waste to only have one career in my lifetime. So I've always been interested in, okay, let, like excel at one thing and then move to something else. I think because it's just like you want to live a full life. You know what I mean? Bo has this great metric that he always says. He says that life and learning about things is like an asymptote where you can learn like 90 whatever percent Mm. of something, but you're always going to have more to learn. But the gap closes in where you're so close to the line that it's like you pretty much have learned everything. So true. So, so if you go to a whole new area like film, yeah. you have, the gap is wide open where you're like, right. I don't really know about cinematography or totally. editing or anything. So like you can learn a whole thing and then eventually totally. you'll you'll know so much. You're like close to the asymptote. Right. Like you can learn something else. But I just think that's such a good analogy. That's so true. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. I, I think it's great. I mean, I feel like it's a... Uh, something's calling at you you know like you have this idea yeah it might keep bugging you until you just like go all in (laughs) i want to do it i want to do it you know but then the other side of me is like are you crazy like ai is going to replace all the writers and all the everyone and you can go just do ai and have Mm. you know like guaranteed position in a industry that's replacing all the other industries do you know what i mean but there's something about like something so different, like uh, being in tech, like like writing code. It's like you're you're crafting something with a very specific purpose, and there's a right and a wrong. And in the arts, it's just so different. You know, like you're you're reaching for something in the ether that is like you know it when you find it, but it's not necessarily right or wrong. It's just like a thing that might connect to some people and not connect to other people and it's so it's so interesting to me and fascinating to me that i'd love to i'd love to throw myself into it but 
I'm also like hesitant. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? For sure. Well, I love this because I mean, you initiated the Art House Film Club I did. years ago and we were doing that and it was so fun. And obviously you've always had a passion for film, but this is the first time that you're creating it really your is, own yeah. film and it's a totally different experience. Um, yeah. But you, in a way, you've been preparing yourself for it. If you look back, mm. you have been picking apart all of these films and and discussing why yes. is this film good? Why it's because the cinematography, this shot was this way and yeah. it conveyed this sort of meaning. So totally it's cool if you think about yeah. it that yeah. you kinda have been this has been leading you to so true this new profession if you do decide to go down this so true. road. <laughs> also so yeah. lame. You don't want to be the evil <coughs> AI person taking away everybody's job. Yeah, <laughs> screw that. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it's such an interesting time we're in though with yeah, the is. AI and the creatives. Mm. I mean... I definitely have an aversion to it. Um, yeah. Naturally, I think that's mm. just natural. Like anything new and scary and of unknown, course. it's like, oh my god, I'm scared. But I'm trying to have like a very thoughtful approach to it. Yeah. Just I try to think about like with writers. I'm sure there was an aversion to Google Docs versus a typewriter. Right. And of course. now it's like, oh my god, I'm so glad I don't have to write on a typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so right, right. There could be a world in which we, as writers, can interact with AI that makes our lives a lot easier. Yeah. Even if it's bouncing ideas off of AI. Yeah. And it's what you're describing of you don't even know what where it's going to land, but when you find something that lands, you're like, okay, that's it. It's totally. not right or wrong. It's just totally. that feels right. That's yeah. all I can explain. It's inexplicable. Maybe AI is helping us produce that yeah, material. Totally. I don't know. I'm trying to be optimistic Here's what about I think. it. Okay. Here's what I think. Let's hear it. I think AI very soon is going to be able to write um, Fast and Furious 11. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be able to write everything everywhere all at once. Love that. Ever. Love that. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, Yeah, there's some movies where it's like, this is not written by AI, but it sure seems like it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like everything that is already an established formula where it's just like make another one, you can just feed all the existing samples to AI and it will make you another one. But writers are the people that are going to, come up with the fresh new ideas that haven't been done before like and that's why I, I love that right now at this moment everything everywhere won all those oscars because it's just like hope do you know what i mean yeah. that maybe we'll actually care about and invest in like original storytelling this is actually a really positive way to look at it because right now it's like one percent of right. all the films are art house totally. films. So what if that percentage got like overwhelming to where yes. that is what was in demand because the AI is just cranking out all of this like yeah. meaningless content? Because like the more content there is, the less interesting it is. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. you can scroll on Instagram and TikTok and there's billions of hours of content remixing other videos with the same videos it's like it's like interesting but in a very casual way nobody's nobody's like going to the the movie theater to watch tiktok videos does that no, make sense yeah, like right. 
It's like just like a casual side thing. And the more that AI can like automate the process of making movies, the more casual they get. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then the more I think that there's this like experience with real art that becomes very interesting. Um, I, I feel like it, you know, like that about a lot of the different art forms. Like, you know, there's this, you know, for decades there's been a move towards like buying vinyls and really being interested in an artist and like the art that they produce as opposed to just like, oh, all these tracks on the radio that I'm familiar with. Do you know what I mean? Like the more that we can produce this formulaic thing that that like hits all of our neuroreceptors, the less interesting it gets, the more that all turns into noise. Yeah, that you know totally I mean? makes sense. And just a, a revert back to less technology in general. I yeah. think we've gone like way into the social media. Yeah. And I think that maybe like Gen Z and these... I think Gen Alpha is after Gen Z, but like all these like other generations yeah. up, it might be cool to not be on social media and it might be like a revert back to right. where now the cool thing is, oh yeah, I'm not on TikTok, I'm not on social media, I'm not, I don't watch that show, like I just go and I'm in totally. nature. <laughs> like, totally. That might be good, we might need the pendulum to swing like the other way yeah. because it's gone pretty far yeah. <laughs> one way and I personally just get so addicted to Instagram or whatever. I'm oh like, my okay, God. I've got to just stop scrolling. It's so hard to stop scrolling, even when I'm like, trash, 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 trash. You can't stop. It's awful. I know. Oh. I constantly just have to delete it because yeah. it's the only way I like delete. And then it's annoying because I'm posting like promos for the podcast or like I kind of have yeah, to yeah, get yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times that day I'll have it and then I'll just delete it and then I'll... I just, I use all these tools for messaging people. Yeah. That's, that's like, it's so powerful for messaging because like SMS is like a whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, There's I so much say, power like, in messaging that. someone. You guys went on a hike. Great. Look yeah. Fine. But I wouldn't text I you I just guys. wish I could cut out all the other scrolling stuff. And just have it for messaging. Do you know what I mean? Like, turn that one, like, log out of the scrolling, but stay logged into just talking to people. I totally agree. And that's what it used to be yeah. a long time ago. But then, you know, they like to make money and they will know they can hey. get sucked in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. Wow. We covered a lot. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> we always do this. We always talk for too long. We always do. I actually was like, okay, we're going to, you know, have an hour, but everything was so good that yeah. I was like, I'm just gonna let it flow. But yeah, thank you so much, Chris. Of course. Seriously. My like, pleasure. I just am really so thankful for you and Kim mm. and our lives. Like you guys are such special friends yeah. to us. And yeah, your story is really incredible. Just your journey from Australia to LA. I'm so glad you guys chose LA and that our paths cross. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we love you guys and it's such a I'm so glad I'm pumped for you guys for you especially making this podcast and I think you guys have been such an inspiration to us in seeing all the creative things that you step into and the fact that I feel like with you too um, you and Bo there isn't this like thing that is that does exist a lot in LA it's not like you're trying to um, do this thing with this like desperate I need to get a thing do you <laughs> know what I mean <laughs> yeah trying to be famous you know you're yeah. just being yourselves and you're engaging in in your 
journey and your creativity and I love seeing people's journeys especially when it takes them up and down and around the corners and um, so I love that you're bringing these stories out from other people as well because it's something that we've got to see in you so um, yeah we Thank love it. you. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm going right. to end it. <laughs> <laughs>